Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hungry to live. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. Fads have been around for thousands of years, from Egyptian protein for virility and bravery to the Hippocratic food combinations of ancient Greece. But they really took off in the Victorian era, when a competitive market for, quote, healthy diets emerged during the Industrial Revolution, compounded by the widespread use of print media and radio, and overall, the commodification of food. But this is where I'll formally end the socioeconomic history lesson and introduce you to Dr. Linda Hazard the early 1900s version of a celebrity doctor. Socialites flocked to Hazard and her state-of-the-art sanatorium to enjoy weeks of relaxation, enemas, cleanses, and more. So much more. Because Linda Hazard was actually a liar, a fraud, maybe even a cult leader, and definitely a serial killer who used torture, manipulation, theft, and conspiracy to build up a space where she could maintain her dictatorial and deadly rule. It all went down at a massive complex outside of Seattle, Washington, called Wilderness Heights, lovingly referred to by locals as Starvation Heights. Today, we're talking about Starvation Heights and the murders of Dr. Linda Hazard. Linda Laura Hazard was born Linda Laura Burfield in 1867 in Minnesota's Carver County to Susan Burfield and Montgomery Burfield, a former corporal in the 9th Minnesota Infantry during the Civil War. The oldest of seven children, she helped the family head west to start Montgomery's logging business and was known as an outgoing tomboy who was her father's favorite. Though the family was mostly vegetarian, strange for the time, in general they were pretty normal, save the oldest daughter, who stood at nearly six feet and preferred time alone. A Fergus Falls Daily Journal article of 1931 paints a picture of Hazard. We'll call her Linda or Hazard, though she'll also have the last name of Burfield and Perry, just FYI. A Fergus Falls Daily Journal said Hazard was, quote, a strange child and her parents were told she would do weird things and lead an unusual life. From the first, it was evident that she was different from other children. She was inclined to be haughty, high-strung, and visionary. 
Linda spent many hours communing with herself instead of joining with others in their childish activities. At one point, the Burfields brought their kids to a doctor, and a local physician convinced Linda's parents that the children all had intestinal parasites. The doctor prescribed pills that induced vomiting and diarrhea, which did not sit well with Linda, literally and figuratively, who would later condemn the treatment for causing, quote, irreparable injury to her intestines, and cited this experience as the thing that piqued her interest in alternative health treatments. By age 18, Linda married Erwin Perry, 14 years her senior, and the two moved to Fergus Falls, Minnesota, where Perry owned a livery business. They had two children, Rollin in 1889 and Nina in 1891. In Minnesota, Linda did some training as an osteopathic nurse and decided to really go for it, when in 1898 she announced to her family that she was moving to Minneapolis to pursue her dream of being a doctor. Again, minimal osteopathic nursing training and with no doctoral degree. Great idea, can only end well. The 31-year-old shipped off her children to her mother, Susan, and left Perry back in Fergus Falls. Quote, Linda's ambitions as a fasting specialist had usurped her desire for motherhood, says author Greg Olson, who wrote the excellent book Starvation Heights about Hazard's life and work. Quote, she simply couldn't be bothered with it. Also in 1898, Linda discovered fasting as a health strategy by reading a book called The Gospel of Health, written by Dr. Edward Hooker Dewey. In it, Dewey praised the restorative power of fasting. Quote, every disease that affects mankind develops from more or less habitual eating in excess of the supply of gastric juices, Dewey wrote. He believed the path to health was to let the digestive system rest so the body could rid itself of toxins which caused imbalances in the body. Makes sense, even perhaps today. Linda loved Dewey's book, but thought it wasn't nearly as rigorous enough. As an osteopath, Hazard took a holistic approach to medicine, meaning that the cure of something is achieved through treating the entire person. She applied the ideas of fasting to everything, believing the more one fasted, the better. Her fasting regimen, Linda herself claimed, could cure anything from toothaches to constipation to syphilis. And people loved it. But keep in mind the context. A little more than 20 years earlier, physician and, of course, serial king, John Harvey Kellogg, opened his own high-profile health sanitarium complete with expensive treatments like yogurt enemas and light therapy, for the ultimate health experience. And fasting itself was a legitimate form of wellness. With journalist Upton Sinclair authoring The Fasting Cure in 1911, Sinclair's book claimed that fasting cured practically all diseases, including cancer and tuberculosis. But Linda took it to the next level, if you can believe it. Her patients were prescribed 40-day marathon fasts, massages likened to beatings, hours-long enemas, and scalding hot baths. But in some instances, it worked, and Linda's patients improved. But others did not. After 41-year-old Gertrude Young was paralyzed from a stroke, she went to many doctors with the hopes that they could help her, to no avail. So she went to Linda and began the doctor's fasting regimen in mid-October 1902. Three weeks later, the patient woke to, quote, violent fits of vomiting of a dark, acrid-smelling gruel, Olson wrote in his book. After being hospitalized, the doctors told her she must break her fast, but to no avail. At that point, some of Young's friends had gathered in Young's bedroom to protest the doctor's recommendation, saying that Linda's fasting regimen could only be broken on the 40th day, as Hazard prescribed. But Young never saw day 40. She died on November 18th, on the 39th day of her strict fast, at 105 pounds with virtually no blood left in her body. Linda attributed the cause of Gertrude Young's death to, quote, paralysis. No charges were brought on Linda Hazard, 
but Young's family did wonder what happened to Gertrude's jewelry, which had mysteriously disappeared. When confronted, Linda insisted Young had given the rings to a nurse. In an effort at damage control around Young's passing, Linda told press that Gertrude Young had confessed to her that she had not followed Linda's instructions, but also that she had been diagnosed with a, quote, incurable disease by another doctor. This would become a theme. When a patient died, Linda would say a disease or underlying condition had killed them, not the fasting itself. At this point, Linda had also met her second husband, Samuel Hazard. A former army lieutenant, Hazard was charming, a great dresser, very tall, handsome, and almost as criminal as his soon-to-be wife. He was kicked out of the military for debt, forgery, and misappropriating army funds, and then he also abandoned his first wife and their children. When he married Linda, he was arrested for bigamy, as authorities also found him to have a wife in Iowa at the same time as his marriage to Linda. In February of 1904, Samuel was found guilty of bigamy and sent to prison. After his release, Hazard went straight home to Minneapolis to be with Linda, where, over time, Linda dominated him while he secretly lied, cheated, and hid his alcoholism by drinking bottles of household vanilla extract. And yet, the two were more alike than not, and stayed together. By 1907, the Hazards had moved to Washington State to pursue Linda's dream of having a Kellogg-like health institute all on her own. Why Washington State? Well, although Linda Hazard was not a medical doctor, she was able to get a license to practice medicine through a Washingtonian legal loophole, one that grandfathered in practitioners of alternative medicine to be classified as doctors within the state of Washington. So now, Dr. Hazard had a lot more legitimacy, and with that, more power. More on how Dr. Linda Hazard wields her deadly power after the break. Hi, hello. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, how are you? Hello, hello. How are you doing? How's it going? Pretty good? Very good? Excellent? Pick one. Yeah, it's got to be one of those, though. Just that's all you get. Yeah. Just, just circle it. Envision the words in your head and circle one of them. And then turn in your test to us and we'll we'll rate it yeah we'll rate it <laughs> we're not gonna, we'll rate we're your gonna answer rate it. we're gonna rate it yeah you know give it a 10 Ooh, Ooh a it's 10. the way you hand it in is what we're yeah rating. yeah that's what it. you put on it it doesn't matter it's it like, doesn't matter is it have pizzazz is this all a social experiment perhaps 
we want to say hello to anyone who's listening, supporting, spreading the good word of Ghost Town. Hello. We're thankful. We're very thankful. Even sure. after Thanksgiving, we're thankful. How was your Black Friday shopping? Mm. Right? That's, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. People still do that, right? Yeah, Cyber that. Monday, Black Friday, Friday yeah. uh, Taco Tuesday. Uh-huh. Thursday, when, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. What about Freaky Wednesday? Friday. What about Wednesday, though? What do we have on Wednesday? Wet and Wild Wednesday. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, and nervous. then, yeah, make sure you're Freaky Friday. Make sure you're switching um, bodies with, like, somebody cool. Yeah. Just try. Well, I'll tell you what's not freaky. What? Talking about the ghost town government. Mm-mm. The most natural thing you can do. Oh, organic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. How could you not? It's the way nature intended it, man. Yeah, baby. Yeah. We know our ghost town government went absolutely buck wild <laughs> on Black Friday. Lined up at the TJ Maxx, ready to get some doorbuster prizes. Oh, hell yeah. I'm in. These Maximistas want a deal. And they will take no prisoners. Getting their hands on a big old Papa's-on chair. (laughs) Yeah, it's wicker. So is everything in that store. (laughs) This is wicker as hell. Ooh. Don't have an open flame near it. No, don't. Don't. But you know who will take a risk? Casey Weber. Hello. Getting their hands on an XXXXXL <laughs> size Tommy Hilfiger shirt that's on the floor. <laughs> but it, it is in a hanger. It is it's on the floor, hanger. but it is it in a hanger. hanger. So you're like, okay. Uh, okay. This was somewhere once. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I can buy this and, and gift it at some point <laughs> if I know somebody who's seven foot three <laughs> and 800 pounds. This could be for them. That's Kat Joselle. Hello. She always likes to have something right, just ready. Just in yeah, case. ready to go. Getting their hands on a nice nine-pound bag of Jordan almonds on the way out. Oh, hell Gotta yeah. Gotta have that big bag of candy. How long have they been there? Who's to say? Gotta have it. That's our new mayor, Marissa Rothermel. Hello. Getting their hands on a little five-pound dumbbell set. Only one there, though. <laughs> still in the cardboard. Still, still in the cardboard. Still in the cardboard. You don't know. <laughs> Maybe you want to work on that home gym and you want to start with one weight. There's not even a pair in there. That's Matthew Clemens LeRae. Hello. A nice heartwarming sign for their kitchen <laughs> saying, home is where the hunger is. Or something love like it. In like a beautiful script. That chuggy yeah. script that everyone likes. Ah, oh, they love it. Mm-hmm. Distressed. It's distressed. It's... Kind of torn up a little bit in a way that a loving sign should be. And, you, can, you know, you can also use it for an Instagram post. Mm. That's Kelly Meehan. Hello. And getting their hands on a nice six-pack of socks. There's four and a half <laughs> pairs in there. This but whatever. dystopian TJ Maxx that is every TJ Maxx. Everyone needs socks. Yeah. you need, And also, you're in a hurry and you can't be bothered to, like, fish another one out. That's Emma Hopkins. Hello. You gotta remember, people are going wild. They're going absolutely wild. <laughs> yeah, this is Black Friday in TJ Maxx. Forget it. Getting their hands on an air fryer finally. Okay. Is it in a box? No. No. Is <laughs> is it all kicked in from the stampede? Sure. <laughs> yes, but it does have a plug still. It, it hasn't plug- had its plug torn off. It hasn't. It's presumed to work. Yeah, and it's the last one. You gotta take it. That's Ashley Matson. Hello. And then our governor, mm. Mm. who's standing at TJ Maxx corporate like an overlord. And our governor mm. at TJ Maxx HQ. Oh, she, she doesn't even have to step inside the stores. Just headquarters, baby. And it's located 
on a mountain. <laughs> and it's the it's like the the office is like embedded in the side of a mountain, oh, almost like yeah. a layer. And she's got like all this shit on her desk too. She's got one of those things with those balls that like, you know, you put one and the other one goes and she's got like a big like marble like statue and she's got a cool pen holder and shoulder pads. Oh, shoulder pads. Yeah. Oh, Power God. suit. She's just fucking looking over shit. Paperwork. File. She's got an assistant in the corner. Uh, but she makes sure everybody gets a little something on Black Friday. Absolutely. No one leaves empty handed. Sure. It'll be half of this, some of that. Nothing under XXXXXXXL. <laughs> No. Not a chance. No, she takes a bite of a stale gummy vitamin that she keeps on her desk for visitors. It keeps her grounded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be our governor, Avian Noble. Noble. You want no ads, no chit chat, bonus episodes, just the good stuff. Head on over to patreon.com slash ghost town pod. And we're doing some more video and stuff on mm. the Instagram. I'm trying to keep that a little more active. That seems fun. So. I don't know, tag us in things so we can share it on the stories. I don't yeah, know. that would be cool. Yeah, we'll do it. That would be cool. Watch me. You know, I'm. Uh, you'll see our faces more, yeah. I guess. And you'll be like, oh, we see why you'll they like, only huh, do audio. Great. <laughs> why are they yeah. so tired? Thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they look like they just woke they up all did, day. They did, because we did. So our Patreon is patreon.com slash pod, and our Instagram is at ghosttownpod. That's right. Let's get back to Washington State. Where it's 1907, and Dr. Linda Hazard and her husband have moved to Olea, Washington, to start a wellness retreat, which they call Hazard's Institute of Natural Therapeutics. And guess what? More deaths happen there. On March 28, 1910, Earl Edward Erdman, a civil engineer with the city of Seattle, died of starvation. Erdman had kept a diary which detailed Hazard's treatment during the preceding weeks that provides us with a little insight into how Hazard treated her patients. Here are some excerpts from his diary showing you just how oppressively restricted Linda Hazard's fasting program was. February 1st, saw Dr. Hazard and began treatment this date. No breakfast, mashed soup dinner, mashed soup supper. February 5th through 7th, one orange breakfast, mashed soup dinner, mashed soup supper. I'm not sure what mashed soup is, but it sounds... Not sufficient. February 13th, two orange breakfasts, no dinner, no supper. February 14th, one cup of strained tomato broth at 6 p.m. February 15th, one cup hot strained tomato soup night and morning. February 16th, one cup hot strained tomato soup a.m. and p.m. Slept better last night, head quite dizzy, eyes yellow streaked and red. February 17th, ate three oranges today. February 25th, slept pretty well Thursday night. Ate one and a half cups tomato broth, 11 a.m. Ate one and a half cups tomato broth, 6 p.m. Pain in right elbow ribs. This diet continued more or less unchanged until his hospitalization and death on March 28th. Erdman died that afternoon, just before a blood transfusion. It's in this culture at the sanitarium that we meet Dorothy and Claire Williamson, two wealthy British heiress orphans who are also both paranoid hypochondriacs creating a dangerously vulnerable situation when exposed to Linda Hazard's philosophies. Dorothy, known as Dora, and Claire began digging into alternative wellness to address what they thought were a long list of ailments, doing things like giving up meat and foregoing corset wearing. At that point, they discover an ad for Linda Hazard's book, Fasting for the Cure of Disease. The two read Linda's book and were convinced Hazard's Institute was the only solution to their health issues. So in February 1911, 
they traveled to Seattle to check into Hazard's sanitarium. But it wasn't ready, which should have been one of many red flags. Instead, the sisters rented an apartment in Seattle, where Hazard told them to eat only one cup of unseasoned tomato or asparagus broth twice daily. Sometimes the two were allowed tiny sips of orange juice as a treat. But that's not all. Linda also subjected the sisters to violent osteopathic treatments and hours-long enemas. When the women started fainting during the excruciating procedures, Hazard installed a canvas sling across the women's tub to catch them when they lost consciousness. In time, the Williamson sisters were both down to 70 pounds, couldn't walk long distances, and were fainting constantly. But the sanitarium was finally ready for them, and for its opening, the Williamsons were carried down the stairs to twin ambulances. According to Olson's book, Dora's appearance was so concerning that the nurses swaddled her hands and head in bandages so onlookers wouldn't stare. Wilderness Heights, Hazard's sanitarium and home to her Institute of Natural Therapeutics, kind of looked like it was from a horror movie. Housed on a muddy, forested 40 acres, it was centered around a simple frame house where the Hazards lived and five tiny, rickety cabins where Hazard promptly moved both Dorothy and Claire into their own private cabins. With the sisters separated and with nobody knowing their whereabouts, Linda would pit the weak, emaciated sisters against each other. It wasn't until Claire sent a cable to the sisters' childhood nurse, Australian-born Margaret Conway, that alarm bells rang. The cable contained just eight words. Quote, Come SS Marama May 8th. First class, Claire. The message was so out of line for the girls that Conway knew this was an emergency situation. She arrived in Vancouver on June 1st, 1911, where she was picked up by Samuel Hazard, whose job it was to drive her to Olia. When Conway asked how the girls were doing, Samuel responded blandly, quote, Miss Claire is dead and Miss Dora is helplessly insane. I am sorry. As the news washed over Margaret Conway, she began to cry. But Samuel Hazard just looked forward, completely unbothered. In Olia, Conway demanded to see Claire's body, but when she went to the mortuary, the body didn't look like Claire at all. Later, prosecutors would surmise that the Hazards had bribed the funeral home to switch out Claire's body with a healthier-looking one. Conway also wanted to see the results of an autopsy, which Linda had taken the liberty of performing. She blamed Claire's death not on the fact that she hadn't eaten for 80 days, but on drugs administered to her in childhood, which Hazard claimed had shrunk her internal organs and caused cirrhosis of the liver. When Conway was finally allowed to see Dora, she was shocked by what she saw, a 50-pound husk of a person who couldn't sit down due to her protruding bones. Conway begged Dora to leave, but she refused. After all, Conway was just a caretaker. Hazard was a doctor. Conway would try to sneak rice and cream into the starving woman's broth, but she knew Dora would die if she kept on at the sanitarium. So Conway called Dora's uncle, John Herbert, who lived in Portland, Oregon. Horrified at the news, he went to Olia and haggled with Hazard for hours before grudgingly paying Linda nearly $1,000 to take Dora away. After, Herbert and Conway also discovered Dora had signed away her power of attorney to Samuel Hazard, while Linda Hazard had made herself executor of Claire's estate and Dora's guardian for life, along with taking Claire's full wardrobe and $6,000 worth of gems and jewelry. To add insult to already huge injury, while Conway was staying with Dora, Linda Hazard wore one of Claire's dressing gowns around the house, in full view of Claire's dying sister and concerned nanny. British attorney C.E. Lucian Agassiz took an interest in what happened to the British sisters and was able to free Dora from Hazard's conservatorship and jumpstart a court case against the Hazards. As Agassiz and Herbert looked deeper into the establishment neighbors called, quote, Starvation Heights, they found a new trail of wealthy patients who died under Hazard's care, 
some even signing over large sections of their estates to the couple. One of them, a former state legislator named L.E. Rader, owned the land on which the sanitarium was built. When Rader died in May 1911, he was located in a secret location so authorities couldn't question him. Another wealthy British citizen named John Ivan Flux came to America to buy a ranch, but died emaciated with just $70 to his name. Another New Zealand patient reportedly shot himself while under Hazard's care. On August 15, 1911, authorities arrested Linda Hazard for the murder of Claire Williamson. She was found guilty and sentenced to 2 to 20 years of hard labor in a Walla Walla prison, in addition, of course, to her medical license being revoked. But her hardcore followers did not relent. Up in arms, hundreds of letters came in, asking for Hazard's immediate release, which included a New Zealand petition imploring the state to, quote, look upon Dr. Hazard's methods of treatment as a boon to suffering humanity. An appeal was made to the Supreme Court, but was rejected. But, after a year and a half in prison, Hazard was pardoned by Governor Ernest Lister with the stipulation that she leave America for good. So she did, and Linda left with Samuel for New Zealand. There, she worked as a physician, dietitian, and osteopath, and published another book. In fact, the Hazards did so well in New Zealand that in 1920, they returned to Olea and built a larger sanitarium. Since Hazard was no longer licensed to practice medicine, she called the sanitarium a, quote, school of health, and her patients, students. Hazard kept killing people and got in trouble with the law again for starving a Washington farmer to death. She was fined $100. Hazard's School of Health mysteriously burned down in 1935 and was never rebuilt. In 1938, Linda Burfield Hazard herself perished at the age of 70 while attempting one of her own fasts. While attempting one of her own fasts. Though the total amount of Linda Hazard's victims or damages remains unknown, she's proven to have starved at least 15 people to death, and in doing so, stolen individuals' property, identities, money, and rights. Though Linda Hazard lived over a hundred years ago, some themes of power, manipulation, and coercion, in my opinion, tie into the cult-like followings of many extreme health practitioners we experience today, showing just how seductive the idea of wellness and the process of becoming healed is, both yesterday and today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.